Hello and welcome to Connect Points podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. feel so thankful for what God has done in this service thus far and for what he laid upon my heart to preach this week I just feel like everything is so divinely orchestrated of God and uh, man God loves us so much he loves us so much and he'll do anything he can. He can. Amen. I'm oh, thankful for that wonderful presentation. I hate to even use the word presentation. That was ministry that our altar recovery team is planning and working and presenting to us today. And I want you to know that I just I strongly encourage all of us to be a part of that as much as we can be a part of that. And uh, I know. The Lord moved upon me. We're going to be helping sponsor as many people as we can. And I would encourage you to, to do that as well. Amen. But don't just, don't just write it off as something to sponsor someone else. Let's all prayerfully consider, amen, about being a part of it. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Proverbs 20 and 11. I just want to read this one verse. I'm pretty confident that I've never used this verse before. Um, even a child is known by his doings, whether his work be pure and whether it be right. Whether it be right. This is the, the two words that God first hit me with this week and then brought forth the rest of this message. Just be right. Be right. Amen. Why don't you find five people and give them a high five and say, you're so glad that they're here today. In the study of Proverbs 20 and 11, these few simple words led me to one commentator's phrase of an old saying, the child is father of the man. It's an idiomatic expression. It originates in a poem called My Heart Leaps Up by William Wordsworth. Now, there are a lot of different interpretations of the phrase, the most popular of which is that Man is the product of habits and behavior that are developed at a young age. Therefore, the child is the father of the man. William uh, Wordsworth said it like this, my heart leaps up. My heart leaps up when I behold a rainbow in the sky. So was it when my life began, so it is now I am a man. 
So be it when I shall grow old or let me die. The child is father of the man, and I could wish my days to be bound each to each by natural piety. Wordsworth uses the phrase in a positive way in his poem. He connects it, speaking of the rainbow, and most uh, historians interpret him to be speaking of the rainbow in the biblical sense, and the sign of the rainbow being the promise of God that he would be with his people. Today we often see this expression, the child is father of the man, used to imply the establishment of both positive and negative traits when we are young. Some leaning uh, towards the power of nature and what that role it plays in our development. Others would emphasize stronger the power of nurture and what role that plays as we develop. But different traits and attitudes, experiences are influenced in different ways by both nature and by nurture. Certainly traumatic life experiences in youth inevitably occur which also influence us throughout life. Lessons learned both in positive and negative ways guide us all into adulthood, for better or for worse, whether we be male or female, it applies to us all. I believe today that every single God-created human being, that inside every one of them there is a desire to be right, to be right. Now, that may not have been illustrated to you as a child, and it may have been horribly absent in your upbringing, and you may not understand the full capacity of what is even necessary to accomplish such a thing, but I believe the giver of the rainbow and the creator of our very beings gets the final word in who we are. I believe the one who knelt down in the dust of the earth and created us in the first place gets the final word uh, on who I become and what do I cut, I accomplish uh, and what kind of man or per- woman uh, or person that I am in my life. I believe he gets the final word if we let him in. If we allow him to speak. If We open up the door of our heart if we'll lay our weapons down and our defenses. I want to look at a man who couldn't seem to do anything right in Mark chapter 5. If you want to turn there, you can. I'm going to read 20 verses or you can follow along on the screen. I want us to get envision the entirety of the story. It's found in the book of Mark in the fifth chapter. And they came over unto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes, speaking of Jesus and his disciples in a boat. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. Because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit." 
And he asked him, what is thy name? He speaks to the spirits now. And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now the spirits are negotiating with Jesus. Now there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding, and all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd now filled with this Evil ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that was done. And they came to Jesus and seeing him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. They began to pray him to depart out of their coast. And when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him and said, I want to go with you. Can I go with you? And Jesus suffered him not, but said unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. He was a man possessed of demons. He was not born that way. He did not come out of the womb that way. He was not created by his God that way. But somewhere in his life, this had taken foothold. This power, this evil, had somehow along the way been given access into his life. And now he finds himself in a deplorable condition, helpless and seemingly hopeless. And the people, the people who knew him perhaps before he was in this condition, friends and family that loved him even though they no longer recognized him, people that had been around him as a child or maybe could answer the question how he got like this in the first place. What things had he allowed himself to participate in? What hardness of heart? What bitterness had been ingrained inside of him? What sins had he participated in that had led him down this road and opened up this chamber, the door of his heart that he had got into this position? These people tried to help him. They tried to reason, but there was no reason. They tried to help, but they couldn't help. They tried chains and shackles, but he just simply plucked them forth and broke himself free from them. He broke himself free from chains and shackles, but he was not free, not by a long shot. Far from free, bound, discouraged, oppressed, broken free of, of, of the chains, but not of the curse of sin. Until Jesus stepped into his world. Until Jesus stepped out of the boat and put his foot on the seashore. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs, the man with an unclean spirit, Mark 5 and 6. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and he worshipped him. Now that may seem odd to you. Why would demons want to be anywhere near Jesus? I would say this about it. It shows that demons are very aware of their place in the power structure. 
Oh, hallelujah. They are spiritual beings, after all, but they are in submission to the highest spirit. Sure, they have some authority, and they do operate with this uh, sinister and evil and sinful authority upon the earth, but they recognize when the King of Kings steps on the shore. They recognize when the Lord of Lords makes his presence known. They knew when Jesus had arrived. I'll remind us that James chapter 2 and 19 says, Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. They believe, but they don't just believe. They believe, and it causes them to shake in fear. They believe, and it causes them to tremble because they know they're on the wrong side, and they know it's not going to end up good for them, and they know that their time is short, and so they tremble because they know there is one God. I'll remind us of Luke 4 and 33 and 34. And in the synagogue there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil and cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou? Jesus of Nazareth, art thou come to destroy us? And this is what the devil says. The demons inside the man says, I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. I'm telling you, we live in a world where your neighbor might not know who Jesus is, but the demons know who Jesus is. I'm telling you, we live in a world where some so-called Christian churches may not remember who Jesus is, but every devil in hell still knows who Jesus the Christ is is and is in submission to his authority. The devil and every demon are not just afraid of the Lord, but they are subject to him at all times. But I must also point out this reality. The demons couldn't keep the man from his maker and his master. Oh, sure, the idea of the demons being submitted to Christ, I love it, it's good. But I also like the idea that even if they tried to keep him away, they couldn't keep him away. Even though they may have held on to that man for years, they could not stop him from running to Jesus. And it wasn't that he came and Jesus found him in the tomb, but the man saw Jesus from a far off place and came running to the feet of Jesus. And the devils probably didn't like it. And the devils were probably trying to get him to stop, but it couldn't stop him because my master has just showed up. My maker has just showed up. The one who loves me more than anything in the world is here. You see, they represented his current crisis and his curse, but Jesus was his creator. They came along at some point in his life, but Jesus the Lord God of all was there at the beginning of it all. There is not a devil in hell or in our heart that can keep us from Jesus today. Do I believe that you are here today with a problem of demonic possession? No. But evil is always looking for a place to live. I need you to hear your pastor or your preacher, whatever I am to you today. Evil is always looking for a place to live. And maybe you've been dealing with your sinful situation for a long time. Maybe this has become just a part of your life that feels established 
and like it's never going away. And maybe you've just recently begun to do some cleaning up. Maybe you started cleaning house a little bit. Amen. Maybe you're trying to be right. Maybe that desire to be right is finally turned into some action. It's finally turned into taking some steps and you're finally trying to do something about it and you really would like to be right. I'll take us to an insightful parable of Jesus in Matthew 12, 43. And when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, pay attention, listen closely. Jesus is telling us a story. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and findeth none. Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he findeth it empty and swept and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. The wording I find extremely interesting. Jesus never throws away a word. There is a difference between an unclean spirit that is gone out and an unclean spirit that is kicked out. Oh, hallelujah. When the enemy of our eternal soul believes to have us locked down, when he believes to have us in a completely helpless and hopeless situation, when he thinks that we have no way of escape from him, he may let you be for a little while. Oh, I wish I could get some amens here today. He may let you be for a little while from time to time. He may not mess with you every single day. He may give you a little bit of day off, so to speak, because he's not afraid of you going anywhere. He's not afraid of anything life-altering changes happening in your life that day. He may give you a little bit of a break, if you will. He may let you think that things are getting better. He may let you think that there's hope ahead. But I need you to hear me today. This is a lie and a trick to cause you even more pain. Oh. We come running when we're desperate. But what happens when we're not desperate for a day? We come running when it seems hopeless. But what happens when it, the sun comes out on a Sunday and the temperature rises in the 40s? <laughs> and everything feels right with the world. And we think, man, that was great church today. It's so good, I probably don't need to go back next Sunday. I got so much today, I'm probably good for a while. The devil is a lie. I said the devil is a lie. Amen. 
man, he can walk away from you for a couple days if he thinks he has you locked down. He can leave you alone for a couple days if he thinks there's nothing that's going to happen anyway. You need to understand how the devil works. As soon as you start feeling like maybe there's hope, he's going to show right back up on your doorstep, slap you across the face, and make you feel foolish forever thinking that you ever had a chance to come to Jesus. There's a difference between a spirit just going out and a spirit being kicked out. I need somebody to come run into Jesus and not leave the presence of the Lord today until he has spoken and evicted every sinful spirit in our lives. Somebody needs to nail up the eviction notice. It has to be done. I can't kick this stuff out of my life, though. Only Jesus can do that. This is the problem that people struggle with. We cannot do it without him. Oh, hallelujah. You say, preacher, you think I'm not strong enough? You think I'm not smart enough? You think I don't have the right tools? I don't have the right support group? I don't have the right that? No, I think none of us were ever created to be able to do this life without Jesus. We were not created. It's not in us. It was never in us. There is something inside of every created human being that must be filled with the power of the presence of the almighty God. And when it is, now I can do all things through Christ which strengthened me but before that I cannot do it without the Lord I wish I wish you would stop trying you say that sounds like a horrible thing for a preacher to say I wish you'd just give up quit trying to do it without Jesus. Give up on the idea of being right without the Lord. Hallelujah. Throw away the idea that I can somehow do this on my own. That I can be right without Jesus. We all need Jesus. We all fall short without Jesus. We're never going to make it without Jesus. But oh, when I get Jesus in my life, all things are possible. Hallelujah. When we come running to Jesus, we let Jesus do his work. Demons must flee. No matter what darkness our sins have brought into our lives, Jesus can kick them out. And when we are empowered by the waters of baptism, and when we are empowered by the infilling of the Spirit of the Almighty God, then we can read what James has to tell us in 4 and 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Oh, hallelujah. Let me tell you what I see in our world today. I see a bunch of people that are trying to resist the devil and they're wondering why he's not scared. They're wondering why he's not running away. They're wondering why he keeps hanging around because the first part says that we have to submit ourselves unto the Lord. I have to humble myself before the cross. I have to submit myself to the gospel message of Jesus Christ. I need to 
repent of my sins. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of my sins and be filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. And when I submit myself unto that message, then I can look the devil in the eye and resist and he will flee. You want to know when you got it right? When the devil starts running. You want to know when you got it figured out? When the devil starts running. Oh, I wish you'd clap your hands and shout unto God. Hallelujah. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We have two choices in our lives this morning. We have two choices. Surrender to the sin and Satan and be a prisoner to pain for the rest of our lives. Or we can submit to God and be made strong by the Spirit of the Almighty. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Matthew 12 tells us that the unclean spirit is gone out. It, it left. It looks for a new dwelling place but can find none. So it decides to go back to where it was before. Just because we look to Jesus doesn't mean Satan's just automatically going to give up on us. Church attendance is powerful. A step beyond attendance is faithfulness. Faithfulness has built within it in the word of God promises that God is faithful to those who are faithful to him. Amen. Amen. So that means that just because I look to Jesus at some point, just because I lift my eyes maybe at some point, just because I show up at church at some point, just because I do that doesn't mean I'm going to just automatically be right. Satan's not just going to give up. He's not just going to throw in the towel. He's going he's to fight He's going to fight. The unclean spirit went out, then comes back. You see, the devil gets angry when you start to do right. But he is banking on you not staying right for very long. He's counting on it. It makes him mad, sure. Some, some, some of us have already made the devil very mad today. I love that. We talked about anger on Wednesday. And we looked at a few scriptures at the beginning of that lesson about how angry the devil is. He's just, a, he's just an angry, angry being. One of the things that makes him so angry, the Bible says, is because he knows his time is short. <laughs> Time's running out, devil. You're running out of time. You see, he's not God. God doesn't operate with time. But the devil does. 
And he's angry. And he gets angry when we look to God. And he gets angry if you fall down in a, in a moment of desperation and you cry out to God. It angers him. It angers him if you pull off a dusty Bible off a shelf and wipe it off and open it up and say, God, just show me something. It angers the devil anytime you do anything that lifts your eyes. Anytime you do anything that's right, it angers him. But he's counting on you not staying with it. He's counting on you getting distracted. He's counting on you getting bored. He's counting on you thinking, well, there's a million other things I need to do today. He's counting on you thinking, I must be all better now. The Spirit decides to go back. When the evil returns and finds the place, he finds that it is vastly different than what it was before. The Bible uses three words, empty, swept, and garnished. The word empty means that all the old junk that was connected to that, 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 that past life is gone. They, 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 had a, they had a backyard junk fire. Right? It's gone. They got rid of some stuff. And then it goes on to say swept, which means even clean on a deeper level. I swept it out. And then it is garnished, which simply means to decorate. It's, it's, it's made to look pretty, inviting, welcoming, homey. But unfortunately, the word empty that is used also tells us something devastating. And that is that the abode of the heart is still Vacant. It's nothing like it was a while ago, but it still lacks a presence in its place. It's not what it looked like last week. It's not what it was before, and there's been some activity that's been done. There's been some stuff that's been thrown out because it reminds me of my past, and it reminds me of my sin, and so I, I got rid of that stuff, and then I, I cleaned everything up because when I cleaned it up, it, man, it made me feel good because I brought some order to the place, and everything found where it was supposed to go, and then I even decorated it up, and I tried to make it feel good and feel homey and feel welcoming, and I did all of that, and I remember Jesus is talking about a man's heart. So I did all those things. But the Lord says the most devastating thing, and that is that when the evil comes back to check on its old abode, it sees that all this stuff has been done, but it also sees that the heart is still vacant. There is no master of the house. There is no Lord that has moved in. There is no presence of a greater spirit of the Almighty that is there. There is a reason that the first and great commandment is Mark 12 and 30, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all 
thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. He said there's one you got to get before we can deal with anything else. There's a great commandment that you need to get implemented in your life and that is when the evil is finally out and when all the junk is out and when all the memories are out and all the pain and all the issues and everything that tried to drag you back into the darkness and you cleaned it all up and you decorated it all real nice. You better make sure you invite the Lord Jesus Jesus Christ to now come and sit upon the throne of your heart with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. All, somebody say all. All, 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 the whole house. The devil doesn't get the guest room. He doesn't get to crash on your back porch. He doesn't get to sleep one off on your couch. All your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for helping me get all this junk out of here. Lord, I thank you for helping me get it all cleaned up. Lord, I thank you for helping me get rid of some of that nonsense that always drug me back. But Lord, don't leave me now. I've got it ready. I need you to come in. I want you to live with me. I want you to be with me. I want to be with you when I lay my head down at night and when my eyes open in the morning. I want to know that Jesus, my God and Savior, is with me. We need hallelujah. We got to determine within our heart like the psalmist said in the 119th Psalm 127 and 28, therefore I love thy commandments above gold, yea, above fine gold. Therefore I esteem all my precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way. Mm. The psalmist says of his Lord and Savior, I believe. That every one of your commandments and everything that you say is right. And because it's right and I believe it, then I can be right. But I also want to declare, I hate every false way. I want everybody to know it. The psalmist says, I want to make it plain. I want heaven to hear me and celebrate and hell to hear me and hang their head. I believe every commandment of God is what can help me to be right. And I hate every false way. We need to make it clear to God this morning. And we need to make it clear to ourselves before we leave this place today. I'm all in. I'm all in. Everything I am and ever will be, every part of my mind, every part of my heart and my soul, 
I am all in. I'm done thinking, wishing, and dreaming about someday. I'm ready to be right right now. I'm ready to be right today. I'm ready to go all in with my Jesus and say I will not follow any false way. The psalmist connects his wording there with Matthew 7 and 13 and 14 until you get in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life and few there be that find it. The psalmist calls it every false way. What that phrase means is a well-trodden road that leads to nowhere. I hate every false way. I hate every well-lit, broad road, well-trodden, full of people that leads to nothing. It leads to nothing. In Matthew 12, the evil spirit comes back and finding no new tenant, finding no master of the house, goes and gets seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there. And perhaps one of the saddest lines of Scripture and the last state of that man is worse than the first. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. The child is father of the man. The positive and the negative, the helpful and the hurtful, things that have been established perhaps in our lives for months, for years even going all the way back to our childhood. Wordsworth's poem said, I remember the rainbow, the promise that God would never forsake me, the promise that God would always be there. That was what he was thinking when he wrote the words that the child is father of the man, but in our society today, so many have missed the rainbow. And some never even, never even got to experience it in the first place. And so their experiences in life are so vastly different because of loss and pain, because of trauma, challenges. No matter what you believe about nature or nurture, 
people battle today. The battle. And the man who is battling this evil, who obviously Jesus is talking about in his parable, is a man that God loves. A man that God loves and, and would love to deliver and help. Tried. Tried, made an effort, tried to do right. Tried to act right. Tried to make right decisions. But the vacancy, even after everything was clean, there's still a vacancy. And so he says, last days are actually going to be even worse than the first. Because of the vacancy, the evil was allowed to come back with greater force. I remind us of the man in Mark 5 who couldn't seem to do anything right. And after a moment with Jesus, after just a couple words from the master's mouth, this is what the city the city that knew his sin, the city that had, had saw and watched him progressively get to this place of possession. The people who knew him before he was this way, family and friends, and the people in the city who saw it progressively get worse and worse in his life, the people who now only really recognized him as the man crying in the night cutting and wounding and hurting himself and the man that we cannot help no matter how hard we try. The city who knew that man showed up and this is what they saw and they came to Jesus and they see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. Oh. And they were afraid. Let me tell you something today. You're in the right place. Because what God wants to do in our lives today, none of us are going to be afraid. None of us are going to be afraid. There's no need to be afraid of what God wants to do in this place today. They were afraid because they didn't know who Jesus was. They were afraid uh, because they couldn't understand or comprehend what had taken place. Uh, they were afraid because a miracle had just happened in their midst. Uh, but you're in a place today uh, where we know who Jesus is. Uh, you're in a place today uh, where we understand uh, and some have lived uh, that same miracle in their own life. Uh, and you're in a place today where you don't have to be afraid. And when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. He said, I want to go where you're going. I want to go where you're going. I want to be with you. Let me get on the boat. I don't want to stay with these people. Look at them. <laughs> oh, how the tables have turned. I want to stay with these people. They're afraid. They're upset. Some of them are more angry about the dead pigs. They're not even happy about my deliverance because they're dumb pigs. 
asking you to leave and I'm begging you to let me go with you. But Jesus, no, 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 that's not, that's not how it works. Your job is to go and find your friends and your family and tell them and show them the miracle that has happened in your life. Your job is to go live out in front of them that your heart is not filled with sin anymore, but there ain't a vacancy sign on it either. You've been filled with the presence of the Almighty. You've come in contact and empowered by the Lord God of heaven. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Stand with me if you would today. As clear as I can make this statement is this. I knew from our, my meetings this week that they were going to be discussing the upcoming trauma series. I absolutely did not sit down and start preparing this message today based upon what was going to be said today. In fact, it never crossed my mind. But God is so good and he loves us so much that he's ordained this entire service. Man couldn't plan it any better if we tried. He's ordained this entire service so that we could see how much he loves us and that what he is willing and ready to do right now in this place. I'm not worried today about doing any battles with demons in this place. But I am worried that sin is progressive. And if we don't do something about it, there's no end to what the devil will do to us. And sin is always looking for a place to stay. And I pray to God in this house today that no matter who you are or where you're from, and no matter what your childhood may have been like, good or bad, I pray that we would remember that there is a God who loves us more than anything in the world who is ready to help us right now and heal us to bring wholeness into our life. I pray that we'll remember today that he said we could repent of our sins and he is faithful and just to forgive us of those sins so that they cannot be used against us. And I pray that we would remember today that if we've never been baptized in the waters, amen, of the remission of sins in Jesus' name as the Bible commands us to do, that we would think about it today and that we could find new life. And if we have done some work lately and we've been cleaning house a little bit and getting rid of some stuff, I hope we hear the word of the Lord that says, now that you've got the evil out of your life, make sure you get the good power of God to move in. Lift your hands and begin to talk to the Lord in this house right now. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you and we hope you have a great week.